It's Tuesday. That means it's another episode of Doable Discipleship coming right at you. Uh, Doug, you're here. Jason, yeah. I'm here. And we got a uh, third chair. If you heard last week's intro, we got a special guest that's coming. But we just wanted to say we missed you last week. Yeah. We were like, you know, we didn't get to converse with our friends on Tuesday as much as we normally do. Yeah. Let's come back next Tuesday and just really hit this one out of the park. Yeah. And so we're bringing in the big guns. Yeah, we are. Greg Kokel, wonderful guy. He's joining us today in just a couple of seconds. He is the founder and president of Stand to Reason, which is an organization that helps equip Christians and train them to uh, articulate their faith in the marketplace and to show that classical Christianity can still compete really compellingly within the marketplace of thought. Yeah. Uh, Greg is a speaker. He's an adjunct professor at Biola University. Uh, he's an author of seven books. The latest book, Story of Reality, you've heard us talk about on the show. If you, in t- if you attended our event, was it last week? Uh, or two weeks ago with Greg. I think it was multiple weeks ago. I'm trying to think when this It was on releases. March 21st. If you came to our event on March 21st, uh, then you heard Greg give a talk on the story of reality. If you didn't make it to that event, you can still go to our website and watch that archived event. I really, really want to encourage you to do that. I'll link to that in the show notes. Saddleback.com slash conversations. Yep. I will also link to that in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, I was just saying <laughs> in case no, they're no, like no, listening. The right you, know, you did the right thing. Anyway, uh, Pastor Rick called Greg's book, The Story of Reality, the clearest explanation of the Christian worldview I've ever heard, Whoa. written in language everyone can understand. So pretty high praise from our pastor. Uh, this is a really, really big day for doable discipleship. We're excited to bring Greg out right now. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Greg Kokel. Great. Hey. Thanks so much for being here today. Oh, what a treat. I, I'm just telling you, it's a real treat. I love and love coming to the Saddleback team, uh, audience, campus, the whole deal. It's kind of like Christian Disneyland a little bit. <laughs> yeah. you know? I know it sounds weird, but it, I, I know you got a great thing going here, and I'm glad to make a contribution. Yeah, Thanks. gosh. We're, we've been priming our people for literally months with it's, your book and with your material, true. and then we've been ramping it up, especially the last few weeks. So yeah, they're, well, uh, yeah, we're stoked they're to pretty have you. psyched. I'm yeah. sure everybody else is, right? Everybody <laughs> You better be grateful. Woo, we're excited. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. All right. Well, Greg, let's start off. I, I want to hear a little bit about you first, if that's all right. Um you you didn't start off your spiritual journey as a believer. No, I didn't. Uh, Can you tell me about just what that progression was like for you? Yeah, um, I uh, I started out thinking I was too smart to be a Christian. Okay, and I mean everybody's got something that keeps them from Christ, yeah. whatever. And in my case, that was that was the deal. I thought Christians were either dumb or ugly, actually, to be honest. <laughs> and that's why they went to church, because, because they couldn't... Do, oh, wait, no. They couldn't, do oh. Their, they couldn't do their thinking for themselves. They had right. somebody else do their thinking. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, if they're so socially unacceptable, if you go to church, you got to love them, because that's one of the rules. It's right there in the back of the wall, you know, love one another. <laughs> yeah. So, and also, I thought I tried it, because I was raised uh, Roman Catholic, and in our particular situation, it was just religious activity. We were going through the motions, uh, and when everybody pretty much grew up, the, the the kids grew up mid sixties in our family. Um, we just kind of drifted away and I left that behind and really embraced the counterculture of the day. And this was something very, very different from the fifties and early sixties. Once 1964, 65, 66 began to hit, 
radical transformation in the culture and the ideas and the Beatles came in and they brought Eastern religion. And yeah. so there was the counterculture movement and there was Woodstock and the whole deal. I was all part of that. I was a teenager during that time. I graduated from high school in 68. Wow. Um, so this is my 50 year anniversary from high school here. It's hard to all imagine, right. but um, anyway, that, that was really appealing to me at the time. And my thinking was if I could just throw off the shackles of a, a religion and the other conventions that uh, I had grown up with, that would give me freedom. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you start out that way, it does feel freeing at first. It isn't until down the line that these habits of rebellion, really, a away from the kind of conventional things that have brought stability to people's lives over time and are grounded, really, in God's truth of the world. Uh, when, when, those, when, those, when you get away from that, all eventually, you know, that starts getting, getting back on you. You start yeah. uh, reaping the whirlwind. So do the when you reap the whirlwind. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what has happened in the last 40 years with that way of thinking. Now, um, and in my own life, th there was a series of events. One of them, my younger brother became a Christian hmm. during the Jesus movement then, which is at, at full tilt. Yeah. And uh, I shined it on because he was the uh, the accomplished athlete in the family. All the boys were in sports, including myself, but Mark was the one who really had accomplished himself. And uh, so I just thought, well, you need that. I'm too smart for that. I was the <laughs> only one who went to college in my family, and so a university, and I was in an honors program at Michigan State University. And um, But I ended up on the West Coast because my high school sweetheart, who I was at MSU in university with, decided to move to the West Coast and leave me, and that was the end of that relationship. <laughs> wow. And that kind of rocked my world. Oh, and sure, it turned yeah. out that my brother Mark was also out here under a different set of circumstances, but we ended up together a lot in the uh, summer of 1973, and that's when I really began to think more carefully about um, the claims of Jesus upon my own life. And what Mark was telling me was something I'd never heard before. I'd gotten a lot of the law, mm -hmm. obviously, in my upbringing. I didn't get grace. I didn't learn that there was an offer of forgiveness that was full and complete yeah. that 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 was made to me because of something that Jesus did that was full and complete. Mm -hmm. And forgiveness wasn't something I just got in a little box on Saturday evening, you know, from another yeah. man dispensing it, and then three hours later, you know, I was in trouble again. <laughs> No, forgiveness was a gift that was forever once yeah. I was uh, I received it. Mm -hmm. And so that was a new message for me. The grace of God was wow. a brand new message, mm -hmm. the palpable, thoroughgoing grace of God. And so on September 28th, 1973, uh, I, I uh, turned my life over to Christ, mm -hmm. and that was 45 years ago. Hard to imagine two-thirds of my life now as a Christian, but yeah. it has been um, Mr. Toad's wild ride <laughs> yeah. ever since. It has not been easy. Sure. It's been really hard, and I think coming out of the Jesus movement, this is a message that we miscommunicated then. Everything's rosy and wonderful with Jesus. Become mm. a Christian, and your life will get wrecked. My life got wrecked, actually, when I became a Christian. It turned mm. it upside down. And Actually, the right way to put it is my life was already upside down. It needed to be wrecked to be put right side up. Yeah. And God's been working on that for 45 years. So wow. that's kind of the, 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 the BC uh, yeah. information. <laughs> and then I, uh, after I became a Christian, I uh, 
became part of a Christian community in Westwood Village where UCLA is at. Uh, Right away, I lived in that community for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. There was about 120 Christians there and some very solid, mature Christians that uh, were involved in discipling me and training me and and then and and giving me the boot when I needed it, you (laughs) know. And uh, and that really set a trajectory for my Christian life in which I was, you know, I've been able to do a lot of adventures with the Lord here and overseas. 25 years now with Stan to Reason. This is our quarter century year wow. at STR. Thank that's you. A fun anniversary. Yeah. We celebrate with you. Yeah, that. yeah that's, that's right. Awesome. We're very excited about that. And yeah. uh, again, it's hard to believe that it's been 25 years that God has been step by step, year after year prospering what we're doing is we just show up every day and we're not into hitting home runs we're just we're singles and doubles that's what we look look to you know we yeah. get lucky once in a while and you hit one over the fence but the goal is just to stay at it yeah, yeah. just and this is the discipleship element of it for your own viewers you know right. it's 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 about it, it's like Cal Ripken's I don't know if you mm-hmm. follow baseball I don't really but I I know Cal Ripken is and he's the guy who showed up every day Day after day, year after most year, games, he had yeah, the most yeah. games uh, in a row that he he worked, right. and that's really what it amounts to: is followers of Jesus showing up, hand to the plow, um, doing the work day in and day out, and letting God worry about mm-hmm. the results. We yes. worry about faithfulness, yeah. and satisfying our audience of one, and then God worries about the results. And yeah. so that's been a, a, a productive. Um, uh, kind of system for us for 25 yeah. years. Yeah, that's the right approach. And you know what? Even if it wasn't productive, it wouldn't have mattered in, in this sense because it is always right to work for the audience of one, mm. even if your own enterprise, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to get off the ground very much. Yeah. Because there are lots of Christian folks that are laboring in a in a very difficult mission field of sorts, mm. and it does not mean that they're not doing well just because the, there is not a harvest at that moment. Yes. Sometimes the harvest of their efforts comes a generation or two later, yeah. and we've seen that in history. Yes. But uh, it doesn't mean that they are not um, properly devoted to Christ in what they're doing. And so um, our approach at Stand to Reason has always been faithfulness first mm-hmm. before the audience of one. Mm-hmm. And then results, well, those are up to him. Yeah. Those we do the faithfulness, he does the fruitfulness. Yes, right. He brings the fruit. That's good. a good way of yeah. putting a nice alliteration there. Well, this is Saddleback. You know, yeah. we're good at that. <laughs> we're good at those things. There you go, Greg. You're welcome to take that one. Yeah, okay. that's a freebie one. Yeah. Well, you it might show s- up in a book somewhere. <laughs> All right. Great. I don't even want to credit. Just okay, <laughs> good. We tell people on the show, and, and we tell them periodically, because this is all about discipleship, and as you've said, that's just a journey. And we try to encourage people to think in terms of just just live day by day, taking one, mm-hmm. just one foot right. in front of the other. right. And let God take care of however, how well, that pans Jesus out. said to kind of shrink your worries down to one day at a time, you know, yeah. in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, right. each day has enough worries of its own. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be planning ahead, but we're worrying yeah. about today. Right. Yeah. And I find that that's a good prescription. There. Yeah. <laughs> one day is enough, one it's day enough. at a time. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, that's enough. That's for sure. a good. Yeah. Uh, so, great. I want to ask you now, you said. Um, that when you came to Jesus back um, in, I think you said the in seventy three, nineteen seventy three, yeah, seventy three is what you said. Is and that the, it was the topic of grace was a big 
game changer idea for it you. It was for me. That's so, right. So uh, uh, a question that I has, I've heard it said that you can't reason a person into a relationship with God. And I was yeah. just curious how you would respond um, to that. I would say that's complete nonsense. <laughs> just, to, like just to put it mildly. We thought you'd the say reason, that. We wanted you but to the say reason that. I say <laughs> that is um, because it's simply not true. Yeah. I have all kinds of friends that are uh, accomplished apologists who in fact were reasoned into the kingdom. Now, this needs to be qualified, and uh, and that is, and I, I I've written about this in um, in a book on tactics, for right. example. And I, some of you people know about that book. When yeah. the second chapter, I talk about this. People say you can't argue someone into the kingdom. You can't reason them into the kingdom. And my response is, well, it depends on another factor. Uh, they often will say, no, you have to love them into the kingdom. Or you preach the gospel, and the gospels would save them. And I, and my response is, the gospel doesn't work either. And, the, and love doesn't work either if the Holy Spirit is not in it. Mm-hmm. And of course, think of all kinds of non-Christians who have been loved to death by Christians and never responded, right. or they've been preached the truth of the gospel and there's been no response, mm-hmm. because there is this other element of the Holy Spirit that's involved that's a necessary element. We all understand that. And that's kind of God's business. He doesn't always show his hand in what he's doing, right. but we know that's true. Okay, so the simple gospel saves in virtue of the Holy Spirit using it. Loving people saves in virtue of the Holy Spirit using it. Mm-hmm. And an argument is effective in virtue of the Holy Spirit using it. And one of the reasons I think this is the case is that God is a loving God, and so it pleases him to use acts of love to, to commend the gospel. Yeah. And he's also a, a thoughtful, reasonable, rational God. Yes. He's the one who invented all that stuff, you know, <laughs> yeah. and gave it to us to help us to know him and to understand him and mm-hmm. help us to understand the word that he gives in his revelation. And so consequently, using pro- a proper kind of argument, if you will, and I don't mean a fight when I say that. Sure. I don't mean a quarrel. I mean a, yeah. a, a, a thoughtful approach yeah. to something, yeah. giving reasons and evidence. Well, that, that honors God as well. And yeah. so the fact is, there are all kinds of people that turn out to be uh, one to Christ through the means of an argument, though it's the Holy Spirit that's doing the work. Yeah. Uh, many of your listeners probably know about uh, J. Warner Wallace. He wrote the mm-hmm. book Cold, Cold Case Christianity, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and he's actually has three books out, and so he's a fairly well-known name. And um, Jim started listening to the Standard Reason broadcast when he was still an atheist. Mm-hmm. And that God began using that and a whole bunch of other stuff to bring him to an understanding that the gospel is true and that the New Testament documents can be relied upon, that God really exists. And all of this was a rational enterprise. That is, he could chart the reasons that were given that were were persuasive to him. Now, of course, he would not have been persuaded by those reasons if the Holy Spirit wasn't in it. Okay. So uh, this is one reason why I think— it's almost dangerous for people to lean too heavily on that read, which is going to break on them because, oh, you can't reason somebody into the... Well, there's a lot of people that need that kind of thing to right. remove the obstacles to giving a, a thoughtful consideration I think to the gospel. What you just said is is a strong point to me because each person, people deal with God or connect with God differently. Some people tend toward the intellectual, rational approach to God. Some people are very relational and, and even sometimes emotional in their approach to God. Right. And I think it's important that we um, that we recognize that God God reaches into people and draws them to himself using different Lots means. Lots of different and means, different yeah. Methods. But keep in mind, too, any of your friends that are listening to the show or, or watching on video um, that have skeptical or non-Christian friends that have pushed back 
against Christianity. I guarantee you, everyone is pushed back for a reason. Sure. They will say, well, this bothers me, this, and whatever it happens to be, hypocrites in the church, or uh, problem of evil, or Jesus being the only way, or you can't trust the Bible, or right down the line. But these right. are all reasons that they, that, that they are not willing to take the Christian message seriously. Mm-hmm. Now, I think we understand that there's another reason that goes deeper than that that has to do with rebellion and sin, but at least this, these are the first things we encounter, and unless yeah. we remove... It's not always the case, but often, unless we remove those barriers, we can't get to the real issue, which is their rebellion against God. That's great. Well, you just kind of segued us into this this idea that as believers, we're called to be ambassadors for Christ. Right, right. And you've touched on that a little bit, but can you explain in your mind, when you picture an ambassador for Christ, what does that role look like? What are we called uh, to do exactly? I got a couple of things to say about that just by way of introduction. One is that we're not called to be ambassadors. According to what Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter five verse twenty. We are mm. ambassadors, and this is a really critical point. Mm. He says we are ambassadors for Christ, as though uh, God were speaking through us. We beg of you on behalf on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So um, he's talking about reconciliation, and that in that paragraph, the word reconcile appears in five. In, in some form, five different times. Mm-hmm. So this is all about the task of reconciling the world to God. And who's involved in that? It's the follower of Christ that is stuck right in between the sovereign and those the sovereign wants them to reach. Yes. Okay, that's yeah. the ambassador. And the nature of the the nature of the um, relationship is. It's interesting how he puts it, as though God were speaking through us. Mm-hmm. You know, when the president sends an ambassador to another country. The folks in the other land don't see the president. They see the ambassador, and they take the words of the ambassador as the words of the president, and that's how that works. And so this is the way one person put it. I thought it was pretty clever. We may be, that is, individual Christians may be the only living Bible some people ever read. Mm -hmm. They are drawing conclusions about our God, the one we represent, based on us and our behavior and that kind of thing. And, oh, well, wait a minute. For better or worse. For Exactly right. For better or worse or for worse. Mm. And so when I realized that, I started thinking, gee, I already am an ambassador. What message am I giving out at any given moment? And I'll just tell you a secret right now, I'm on my best behavior. (laughs) (laughs) All right? Thank you. We all appreciate that. (laughs) But, you know, I have to ask the question, when uh, nobody's watching me in this role, where there's certain expectations, um, in an airport, in a bookstore, at the grocery store, or... My daughters, mm. yeah. my wife, what message am I communicating to them about the God that I serve? So, oh, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? So this is was an entree to me. Mm. Now, um, there's another element here that I wanted to touch on before we get into the nuts and bolts of the ambassador, uh, being a good ambassador. And there's really three main categories. It helps people organize, okay, what do you focus in on? And that is a transformation in my own thinking that happened about probably 20 years ago. These are the things that happen over time, so it's hard to pinpoint. Yeah. But I remember I, I remember kind of slowly coming to the realization that, well, here's the way I put it in general. Before there can be any harvest, there always has to be a season of gardening. Mm-hmm. Before there can be a harvest, there always got to be a season of gardening. Well, that makes a lot of sense when you think of it in agrarian terms, but a lot of times we kind of go out into the world um, 
with a, the harvest mentality. Yeah. That is, if we're going to share Christ, we want to get to the gospel and see if we can get the other person to sign on the dotted line, yeah. right? Yeah. we got to close the deal. Yeah. Sign on the line which is dotted. There you, there, that's yeah. right. That's right. And so when you have these little tracks, there was always this opportunity, the sinner's prayer and whatever. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. But sometimes it's premature. In fact, nowadays, I think most of the times— yeah. It's More premature. Yeah. I came out of the Jesus movement, and the, the, there was the Holy Spirit was doing things that uh, brought people to the point of of making a decision much more quickly. Plus, the culture was very different. Now, my goodness, the culture has changed radically, and the concepts that are embodied in the so-called simple gospel are not only not understood by most people anymore, but they seem offensive on their face. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so we have this liability that we're dealing with with uh with with the message itself so this means we got more of what francis schaefer used to call pre-evangelism yes okay yeah. now i i made reference a few moments ago to the the book on tactics and I'll, I'll mention that a little bit more later but part of the value i think of the tactical game plan which i have spoken on here uh at, at saddleback in the past mm-hmm. um is, is 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 using questions to maneuver in conversation i don't want to uh, just, uh, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself because we'll talk more about that in a minute. But the point is, is that if we are thinking in terms of gardening instead of closing the deal, harvesting, a lot of people are sitting on the bench because they don't think they're good harvesters. Mm-hmm. Makes them nervous. Like, I got to yeah. try to pray with that person to receive Christ. I'll just stay out of the game. Yeah. But yeah. if they're given a game plan and they're shown that, uh, and they're encouraged to lower the bar and instead of, in a sense, swinging for the fences, if you pardon the mixed metaphors, but just getting into the batter's box and seeing what happened, yeah. see what God does if they have a game plan, plan to do that. Uh, yeah. Well, more people are going to get into play. Yeah. I talk about it this way. I, I say, I, all I'm trying to do now is just put a stone in someone's shoe. You know, I just, and when I speak yeah. to non-Christian audiences, that's what I tell them. Yeah. I say, you know, I'm not here to convert you tonight. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I just want to put a stone in your shoe. I just want to annoy you. In a good way, I, I, you know, in a little bit. They all laugh because they expect me to annoy them. So I say, okay, I'm, I'm your guy, <laughs> but uh, but uh, you'll, you'll thank me in the end is the idea. But the big picture here is now I'm thinking of myself not as an evangelist, but as a diplomat hmm. that's maneuvering in a very different way, uh, kind of a genial diplomacy so that m- my engagements look more like diplomacy than D-Day. That's yeah. what I'm after <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. And I think when people, Christians, start to get that picture, this whole concept of being an ambassador becomes not only more appealing to them, but more uh, attainable. Yeah. Makes sense? I wanted to say, Absolutely. like, that, that's a kind of a perfect tie-in to a series that we're currently in as a church, because we're talking about um, hospitality. In, 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 in this campaign series on doors that we're in right now mm-hmm. is we're talking about like, like it's time to get to know your neighbors and stuff like right. that. And just Absolutely. know you. And so it's perfect with what Greg is saying mm. is this idea of, is you don't have to approach it with like, I will convert you. Yeah. It's this, yeah. <laughs> it's just idea of, of just being a neighbor of getting to know people right. and just knowing that you may be the only Christian that, 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 that person may know. Right. So yeah. it's just, it's thinking about just how you act, how you, live your daily life in just yeah. in a way of being a neighbor, being a friend. Yeah. One yeah. qualifier here, though, and uh, this actually comes up more towards the end here, but I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit, so we'll get it all in sooner or later about being an ambassador, is that um, 
I think you're right about that. We, we lower the bar for our engagements with other people. Let's just be friendly. Let's be warm with them. Let's build relationship. And uh, it doesn't mean, though, that we substitute being warm and friendly for a substantive sure. communication That's of right. the gospel. Right. Uh, and what I say to folk is, if you think that being nice— to people is is going to be the way that you're going to win them to Christ, and, and you kind of stop there. Just keep in mind, you'll never be able to, to out-nice a Mormon, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, so you have sure. stiff competition with being nice, because they're fabulous people. Yeah, they yeah, that's right. So this is why we want to make sure that our, our, our gracious character and demeanor and involvement with them is coupled with an appropriate um, communication of the truth. Of That's course. great. Yeah. 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 No, totally. I think you've kind of helped kind of poke holes in, though, for Christians, I think a stereotypical view of evangelism, which is get to that prayer, right. make sure, like, yeah. if we don't bow our heads at the end and receive <laughs> Jesus— this interaction was a failure. Yes, that's right. And I think, and I think some people do feel that way sometimes. Yeah, yeah. and, I, and I, I completely agree with you that if, if Christians have a picture, if that's their picture of evangelism, it's a very one-dimensional, right. it's, it's looking only at the, the last sliver of yeah. the process. Well, not if, if you look at, yeah. if you look at conversion moment as the beginning of a whole new journey. <laughs> yes, right. But, but they're looking the at just that last sliver. You gotta get them to the door. You gotta, yeah. and, and kind of what you're saying is by beginning as an ambassador, it's kind of cracking the door. It's, mm-hmm. it's it kind of starting the process. But like you're saying, Saying, that's not the end of the process. Right. Think about. Let's just let me see if I can think of somebody who did this really well. Jesus. Oh yeah. <laughs> How about Jesus? <laughs> that's a so, good place to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus did not get to the good news and the gospel and ask for decisions in every conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. He, actually, much of the time, Jesus was frustrating people yeah. by giving yeah. them various versions. Of the bad news. Right. Uh, for example, uh, how can I g- gain eternal life, he was asked. Well, what does the law say? What, sum it up. Oh, well, love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. Yes, that's there you go. Okay, go do that and you live. Good luck, by the yeah. way, <laughs> yeah. with that one, because there's never been one moment in my life that I've fulfilled either one of those. Yeah. But then the person says, well, who is my neighbor? And then you have the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. But the text says he was seeking to justify himself. Mm-hmm. So the whole reason that Jesus... Jesus gave the Good Samaritan parable is not to teach us to be good Samaritans. That's a secondary application. It's to show that we're lousy Samaritans and that if we're trying to get to God on that standard, we fail every time because our neighbor is our worst enemy is the point. And so it's almost like Jesus was saying, try that one on for size. (laughs) That's not good news. That's bad news. (laughs) So there's a lot of bad news in the good news. That is, the Gospels are good news, but there's a lot of bad news in there to make the good news good. And Jesus often left people holding the bag of the bad news, and I think for a reason, to let it sink in and increase their sense of need for yeah. forgiveness. He didn't mind he didn't mind creating a tension inside someone and then oh, just leaving it. Right. <laughs> just right. let that noodle let that on that, that for thing. a bit. That's <laughs> like like uh, the end of John 6, drink my blood, eat my body, eat my flesh right. and they went yeah. uh, like <laughs> man, I've had enough of that and off they went and Jesus never said, "Oh no, just joking or uh, yeah, Come maybe on I back. Can say that Please a don't nicer. leave. Yeah. You know, he didn't. He didn't. Uh, you know, he 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 wasn't trying to sanitize anything. Yeah, no. he was a very. He was a very, I think, interesting combination of grace and truth because he yeah. went around acting with complete love toward people, and yet. He didn't shy away from saying yeah. the truth, even if it was hard yeah, to swallow. Yeah, and, and sometimes when he said it, it was hard, and it didn't sound loving, 
by today's standards. Yeah. Yeah, sure. You, well, actually, John the Baptist said you brood of vipers, but if you go to the end of <laughs> Jesus' ministry, and he's talking to the Jews, and he's saying, you are like whitewashed tombs with dead men's bones in, inside, mm. in, uh, inside. You go hither, thither, and yon to, make, to find a disciple, and you make him twice the son of hell that you are. Yeah. That's Jesus. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's Matthew, what, 23 or, or so. And yeah. my goodness, uh, that's pretty bold. Yeah. You know, that's pretty strong. So um, he did reserve, Jesus meek and mild, he, no, not always. Yeah, and he yeah. did reserve his strongest rebukes for the, those religious people, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I mean, man, he he really let it fly with yeah. them. But he, he was truthful everywhere he went. It was a—let uh, me qualify it this way a little bit. It was the unrepentant people, and it turned out that the religious folk were the ones that were most unrepentant because they weren't aware of their own crimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, But th- there were some of the religious people aristocracy, so to speak, sure. that did turn to Christ, yeah. and, and grace was there for them. Right. Joseph of Arimathea, yeah. Nicodemus, Nicodemus, et cetera. Yeah. But it was, the, it was the down and outs that were most ready to turn in humility and ask for grace, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. beating their breast, the tax gatherer, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the divide for Jesus wasn't like the poor on the one hand and the rich and powerful on the other. Sometimes people do that. It was the repentant. Mm-hmm. That was the, real, the, 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 uh, the dividing line for him. And it did turn out that the rich and the powerful characteristically were slower yeah. to repent and to acknowledge their need than those people who are steeped in sin and realize how bad they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's an interesting point. That's changing cool. the way we bifurcate, changing the way we bifurcate characters in the New Testament, yeah. like well, the yeah. Pharisees over here, the religious folk, the non-religious. Yeah. It, but you're right. It was based on it was based on something entirely mm-hmm. different. That's Think cool. of the the it, early in Jesus' life. You know, there were the there were noble religious people that acknowledged Jesus. You ha- at the temple there at his circumcision. Yeah. You have a prophetess, and you also have a Simeon who who prophesies over. You know, these were very religious people. Yeah. But they were humble religious people. They yeah, weren't yeah. Uh, pride, pr- uh, proud and prideful religious yeah, people. That's yeah. Point. That's great. Well, everybody, I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Greg so far. We sure certainly are, were. Yeah. Uh, we didn't want to stop the good times because the conversation was going so well. So we've decided to, instead of having one long episode, we're breaking it into two episodes. So this is a two-parter, as you m- might have noticed in the title. So we're going to pick it up next Tuesday with the second half of our conversation with Greg. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, so if you're aching for those, I, I want my doable steps, come back next week. We got some doable action steps for you. Yep. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows, your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.